kind of a basic journalism tenet, one that I always adhered to was uh, the old KISS, you know, keep it simple, stupid. How are you going to inspire your employees to follow your vision and what you want to do? And a big part of that is is having an ability to communicate what that vision is. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on our show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. And if this is your first time tuning in, we just want to welcome you to the Kelly family. If you have an idea that you would love for us to cover, if you're wrestling with the leadership topic, that we can get some expert advice to you, or you just simply want to give us some feedback for the show, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I.edu. Well, I think the big buzzword that we've seen within our culture lately is this fake news term, I think, that President Trump kind of coined. And it's something that's, I think, that's pretty prevalent. You know, we do live in a time now where what is true? What is the facts? You know, where do we gain our credible sources And so on today's episode, we thought, why not sit down with one of Indiana's leading business news providers, Gary Dick, founder of Grow Indiana, host of Inside Indiana Business, a TV show, radio show, and even a podcast. So for those looking for business news and where to get some news, definitely check out his podcast, Inside Indiana Business. And you may recognize him as the former anchor at WRTV6. Gary, we just want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Matt and Phil. Great to be here. And congratulations on the podcast, too, because as we were talking before we got started, I think you're coming up on 100 we right just the just we on just, the other side. That's impressive. That's that's great. And so I want to start off before we dive into you know how do we take journalism practices as as a leading journalism expert um, and just this has been your sweet spot for you know a number of years. Um, you know we want to get into that, but let's. I want to start by your your journey. I mean, you start as a journalist. You find yourself now in business, you know, mm-hmm. of all places, and what that journey's looked like. And then you've even started your own company, the Grow Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's funny because I never would have thought in a million years I would be an entrepreneur or own my own business. Uh, had, had no no inkling of doing that. In fact, if you go way back uh, to in college. Uh, and I think internships are so important now. But, uh, you know, 30 plus years ago, not a whole lot of internships were out there, but I did a bunch. Um, and one of the internships taught me what I didn't want to do. I was I, I interned as a high school, high school basketball coach, assistant coach, because I thought I wanted to be a high school basketball coach. And uh, still I'm a huge sports fan, but I, I, uh, I went to work uh, for a, uh, a month assisting uh, West Vigo High School in Terre Haute, West Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, there was one particular moment um, we were playing Terre Haute North, our arch rival, bigger school. We had the lead. We were up by three points, uh, one second to go in the game, no three-point line at that time. And our coach calls timeout. And uh, brings him up and says, now listen, there's one second to go. We're up by three. You, whatever you do, don't foul. Just let them score. They scored two points. We're up by three. The game's over. So what happens? You know what happens. Uh, they throw the ball in. We foul. They hit the free throw. We go into overtime. We won the game. But at that point, I decided I do not want to have my paycheck, you know, depending on on, on stuff like this. But uh, so accidentally went into another internship in broadcasting. That's how I got kind of the, the, the broadcasting bug, bug, the news bug uh, in Terre Haute, started out after graduating from Indiana State, went to Fort Wayne, 
And uh, after two and a half years in Fort Wayne, a great time there, came here in uh, Channel 6, did 13 years uh, in the reporting and anchoring ranks, and uh, slid into the business world. So talk about some of that transition. I mean, how did you find business to be your sweet spot? You know, as someone who doesn't doesn't come from business background or business acumen, yet you find you're finding yourself here in business news. Again, it was uh, it was a journey. I you know the the natural um, progression if you want to leave TV news is you typically get into corporate communications or public relations or those types of things, and I fully anticipated that's what I was going to do. In fact, I thought I had a position uh, secured at uh, at Lilly, at Eli Lilly and Company, and there was a whole host of things that 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 happened, and that did not uh, work out. And I was really disappointed. I thought you know I was I was there ready for a career change, but I thought, you know, what, what do I know? What do I, uh, what do I do well? Um, and it came back to, you know, you know, TV broadcasting, my uh, sweet spot in terms of the contacts and the, the people I had established relationships with in central Indiana and around the state. So how can I leverage that? And that's how I came up with the idea for a business show. Uh, not an original idea, but uh, I, I really truly felt uh, if we could get it on the air, it would work because there was and certainly is today a million different places where you can get national content. But where do you go to get local business news? You know, it's it's uh, it's very tough. And the changing landscape in media, not a lot of attention uh, placed on business news. So we got the show on the air in 98. And a huge uh, a milestone for making that happen was the IU Kelly School of Business. And uh, I remember I took a trip down to Bloomington before we got the show started and made a pitch to Dan Dalton, dean of the school, uh, Kelly School, relatively new dean at that time, as I recall. And um, the Kelly name was just going on to the to the school, or very close, uh, you know, thereabouts. And there was a need for the school to brand that Kelly name. And, and long story short, I walked out of that meeting, and it sounded very positive, like we were going to get this sponsorship done. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, I got to, I got to, you know, got to put this thing together. But that was a huge um, uh, event for me and proud to say the Kelly School remains a, a supporter to this day. And uh, we, we got uh, got the show on the air in, in 1998. And uh, after a little, you know, a year and a half I got, um, there was traction, and our whole mission is to get content to people when they want it, where they want it, how they want it, using whatever means we can, leveraging technology, and that's uh, enabled us to grow all these years. Gary, as you launched the show, and we're sort of stepping out, in your mind, what had to happen to make this successful, more than just uh, a show that maybe lasts just a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question, and one I thought a lot about, and, and I really felt as though I had identified uh, a niche. I just think that I thought there was really an opening uh, for this content because it was something that people uh, it was tougher and tougher to get. And I strongly felt if we could get the show on the air, but I knew how to I think get that quality content out there that people would and advertisers importantly um, would support it. And, and help drive it. So the the key thing was creating partnerships and alliances. And one of them was uh, the production. The pr- uh, production piece of a TV show is very expensive. And um, at that time, this was 1997, 98, 
came up with a unique idea and a unique way to get it on the air, and that was to partner not just with one station, but with WFYI, the public station, and Channel 6, the ABC affiliate, and do kind of a co-production. So there was there was some there were some efficiencies with um, uh, with with cost that were established. Plus, it gave me a platform began began to give us a platform of not only being on commercial stations but also public stations around the state. So it was a really a win win. And I think that's one of the big takeaways as I've grown the business is looking at alliances and collaborations and partnerships as ways to uh, to get things done. And what's awesome is being an entrepreneur, you're able to bring a lot of these journalism practices that you were you know, trained in for so many years into figuring out, you know, what's going to be the best decisions um, for your organization. And that's, I think, you know, for a lot of leaders who, you know, they have the business acumen, they're, they're taught in marketing and, and business practices and accounting, yet there, there may sometimes be an issue sifting through a lot of all this information to gather, okay, what's the story that these numbers are telling me what's the story of my organization and then what's factual and maybe what's not so factual. Yeah. You know, you know, I think in, in um, kind of a basic um, a journalism tenant, one that I always adhered to was uh, the old kiss, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And in the storytelling process, you use the word storytelling, but I, I, I look at that uh, from a business standpoint and the ability to communicate the beginning the ability to tell your story to your team. You know, how are you going to inspire your employees to follow your vision and what you want to do? And a big part of that is is ha- having a um, an ability to communicate what that vision is. And I think that's that's been important. And then it extends to to any partnerships or alliances you might uh, create, and and in the advertising realm too. What's the story? Why 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 should I invest in? Uh, grow Indiana Media Ventures and Inside Indiana Business. What's your story? So I've attempted. You know, there's so much information out there, and so many different uh, things coming at you um, uh, online and in so many different ways and sources. That the challenge can be to to uh, to be focused. You know, to keep the main thing the main thing and and tell your story. So that's that's one of the benefits of of having been in journalism is the ability to 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 identify sift through a lot of the minutia if you will and try to craft that story whether you're selling it to your team to an advertiser or or to the public uh, just in terms of from a content standpoint what kind of stories or content specifically get the most grab with your audience yeah and in, in, interesting um and and i will say that without almost without fail, if we're doing a story on restaurants, food, I mean, it's kind of the softer story that really get a lot of the play. Craft beer. Now, craft beer, that is a business story. It's been really cool from my standpoint. I like beer. But uh, to look at the business side of an industry in Indiana that three or four years ago, I think there were maybe 25 or 30 craft breweries today, well over 140, I think. And not a lot of failures, some certainly, but not as many as you would think. So that's a business story. But but these some of the more consumerish type stories uh, certainly get uh, get uh, a lot of hits and a lot of um, um, attraction, if you will. The other piece are on to, is uh, entrepreneurial stories, and you know people really like that those success stories or those stories of people who who maybe they're successful now, but 
how they got to where they were and the failures along the way. So unique stories. And that's one of the things with our statewide focus that we've been able to do is certainly the majority of our stories, Indianapolis, this region is the business and political center of the state. So most of the stories are going to come from this region. But we, we've been very intentional about going out around the state and getting uh, stories in you know small pockets, larger metro areas. And it really is interesting to see, you know, those stories of, of, of business, of success, of risk-taking, of family-owned businesses. That's another one that really gets a lot of attention. People like to see that family-owned uh, traditional-type story as well. And, you know, we've done a lot on culture. Uh, we've, we talk a lot and celebrate great company culture. And I think part of that is, you know, you, you kind of hit it on the head of identifying, before you can even tell your story, you, you, you have to boil it down to, who am I as an organization? What is my organization? And being a journalist as well, you know, something that you're trained in is you have to ask the right questions. I mean, you can ask questions, but there are questions that are the right ones to ask if you want to get the right answer. And so in, in trying to identify yourself, you know, how do you craft the questions? You know, how do you get to the place where as an organization, how do I ask the right questions to get to the identity of who I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try, you know, you know, on the journalism side, you know, I always try to put myself in the, the seat of the, the, the viewer, the listener, uh, reader, if it's, uh, you know, online, whatever the case might be, uh, and, and try to create or craft uh, relevant questions based upon that. I mean, there's the, the, the other piece, and I think from a management standpoint, you know, the best interviewers uh, that exist today are the best listeners, and I think that's a, a big thing. You know, I've, I've seen people do interviews where they'll, they've, they've got these questions in their mind that they're going to ask. And the answer that comes back could be a stunning answer that should take you in a different direction. They just go on to the next question. You know, they're not listening to what the uh, their interview subject is saying. And I think from a business standpoint, that can be you know, a big thing in communicating with employees, communicating that vision if there are issues that exist in the workplace, whatever the case might be, if you're not listening, if you're doing all the talking, uh, you're probably going to have a problem. So being a good listener is important. But uh, from the questioning standpoint, you know, I, I think it is just trying to put, I always, as a, as a broadcaster, my goal uh, for any story I did, any show um, I might have done, is to have the viewer walk away from that investment of time, because that's what they're doing. They're investing time in, in watching uh, your show or your report to have them walk away and say, I know something now that I didn't know before. Gary, one of the things that the Kelly School is really focused on is disseminating knowledge and graduating talent to make Indiana companies globally competitive. And the Kelly School's been around a long time. Um, you've been, you've seen, Indi- especially Indianapolis, sort of come of age and I'm curious, I want to get your your response on sort of a reflection on where's Indianapolis now versus where, where it was? What were some of the driving forces that got us to this sort of magic place where we are? Mm-hmm. And how was Inside Indiana Business a part of that? Yeah. Well, we uh, are, are fortunate. I moved here my, in 1983, late 83 from Fort Moy, my wife and I did, and, and um, spent 13 years in Channel 6. So before I started this, I, I covered so many of the developments in downtown Indianapolis and the arrival of the Colts. I remember being on the floor of the Hoosier Dome when Bob Ursay and Bill Hudnut came in with their arms raised and that kind of thing. And I remember thinking at the time, man, this, is a, this could be kind of a seminal moment for the city, you know, trying, beginning to come 
to come of age, and so much has changed since then. And I think if you blow all of the smoke away and why Indianapolis is a city, uh, and we still have a ways to go, there's more, we've got challenges, you know, that are out there, but uh, the city that it has become is leadership. And I don't think there's any question about it. It's leadership in the political uh, world, uh, in the public sector, in the private sector, all coming together and doing things. If you think about a city, well, heck, think about the Hoosier Dome. That was built without a professional football team. You know, it was built as an extension of the Indiana Convention Center. No, no, no NFL team. You know, we're trying to get one. Got that team here, so there was a risk involved in 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 that expansion. And being able a city this size, you know, we don't have a large corporate base, you know, that you can go to for for dollars to help fund these things. But if you think about um, the NCAA and attracting the NCAA here from from uh, Kansas City or Overland Park, you think about Victory Field, the Indians on in Bush Stadium, and this is all around the sports strategy. But uh, building Victory Field downtown and all of those types of things. Um, the, you know, the amateur sports movement itself, the idea, who, who, who would have thought that amateur sports would be a strategy that a city could, could benefit from? But it has been. And, but it was a group of leaders who, who came up with the idea. And then the execution over years has taken public sector, private sector, and the academic communities all coming together. So I, I think, and people ask me today, what are cities around the state doing that are successful? What's their key? And I, I always come back with that leadership. Um, uh, word. And that's that's not only doing the, what's the easy thing to do, but making decisions that, uh, you know, maybe a little, have some risk involved with it, but reward on the other end, uh, too. How do you think Inside Indiana Business has helped to accelerate that momentum that that, that sort of magic was yeah. moving us forward. Well, you know, I hope that that um, we have helped to tell that story, and we have hoped to, you know, you look at the, the name of our company, Grandiana Media Ventures, people think, well, is that a farm company or what, you know? But really the whole idea, and when we formed the company, the thought process was, um, you know, we're not in business to be cheerleaders for the business community, but at the same time, we want to do stories, and we do stories. I mean, we do stories on layoffs and the education challenges, workforce, a lot of issues that exist out there. But there's more to uh, Indiana than that. I mean, there are a lot of success stories, and there are a lot of entrepreneurs and innovators and others who are doing things. The The academic um, firepower in the state is uh, is amazing, public sector and, and, and pri- public and private colleges both. So we want to tell that story. And if we tell that story, we hope just by telling those stories that it will help to grow Indiana. It will help to elevate the, 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 um, uh, the presence, the, um, the persona, if you will, of a state, uh, you know, that has typically been, been viewed as a flyover state. Uh, so we hope we've, we've been able to expose and to tell that story. The tech movement is another great example. Long, still a long way to go, but so many things have, have happened in the tech community over the last 20 years uh, that, uh, that are exciting, and people need to hear about it. You know, that's the thing. Indiana, as it's been said many times, we're very modest. We don't brag about ourselves, and that's, that's kind of a good trait, I guess. But at the same time, in this environment, we need to look at things that we do well and tell people about it and say, you know, we, you know we're, we're actually pretty good here. We can do, do these types of things. And if you look at the, the life sciences and advanced manufacturing, IT, the ag biosciences, all these areas that now they're being focused on, they were never talked about before, but now they're beginning to be talked about. And it's cool because you 
are able to build as a business leader, an organization that rallies around this and build your own culture. So kind of mirroring and getting a deeper understanding, I'm sure than you'd had as a journalist to understand Mm -hmm. what happens in the decision makings in the executive level suites, because not only do the organizations have to thrive, but you get to learn how you can make your organization thrive as that business leader and storyteller. So as a business leader, uh, who's sitting around and, and I mean, you get overwhelmed with with information, just as you do in journalism. You're always seeking after what's the fact, what's fiction, what, what all this mounting data to go through. And even as a leader, you know, you may get you know so much information that could be overwhelming. So, how do you disseminate of where you're going to start to like kind of make a better business decision with all the all this knowledge you're gaining and not get overwhelmed in the process? Yeah, again, back to the whole. Keeping it simple, stupid, you know, the, the old saying of the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, and I remember in the early days of, of crafting this um, um, uh, enterprise, you know, we were just, we were, we were running and, and doing things on the fly, you know, and there were all the opportunities. So we, oh yeah, let's do that. And which was great in the early days, like getting onto radio was just, there was a, an opportunity at WIBC that happened to pop up and they said, well, would you be interested in doing something? I said, yeah. And they said, well, give, shoot us a a demo tape. I'm thinking, where in the heck are we going to do a demo tape? I don't, you know, and we figured a way out. We, we did it on broadcast on, uh, t- you know, on a, back then it was a three quarter inch tape that we put together and got to them, but that got us on, uh, on radio. Um, but over time you begin, you know, there were so many things coming at you. And that's certainly the case today in so many businesses, you've got to be so intentional about staying uh, staying true to your mission and what you what you are all about, and that can mean saying no to some things that look pretty good, actually. And you think maybe what? Do, well, no. If it if it's not really in that that sweet spot, we should maybe you know pass on it for now and, and stay that focus. And that's one of the things I, I think I learned early on was to 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 try to be intentional and remain and keep a focus on what you do best best, but also keeping that eye open for those opportunities that that might might be attractive since you started the business in the late 90s technology's really changed i mean in the late 90s you know the, the internet was just coming into being uh now i can imagine oh my goodness the the stress and the pressure of 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 quickly becoming irrelevant in this space mm-hmm. tell yeah. us how you've managed through that yeah. and really you're thriving after uh, in a much more threat, threatening environment than you had when you started. Yeah, it, interesting. And if you go back to to the to the late '90s and uh, early 2000s, uh, technology ultimately enabled us to do what we do because without technology, for example, in radio, you know, it used to be you had to to do radio. You needed an ISDN line, or you needed a a, a connection, an expensive connection, to get that broadcast quality. Well, you know, now it's just, it's software that you record into your computer, you put it on an FTP site, boom, you can get it out to 25 stations, whatever the case might be. Same thing with TV. I mean, it's, we used to have to uh, rent satellite time. Now, believe it or not, we can send HD quality uh, broadcast video, an hour show, you can imagine how big that file is, to our affiliate stations to air. So over, over the internet. And so on the one hand, it has enabled us to do what we do and to be mobile. So for radio, for example, I can do it from home. My team can do it from home or on the road. So you don't have to be in the office to do it. That's the positive side. But as you suggest, there's so much information out there. Then you layer in social media and 
um, the, the, the challenges, the opportunities, because I think there are certainly opportunities there to use social media as a, uh, as a venue to drive people to your, to your products. That's the positive thing. On the negative side, there's so much information and misinformation uh, out there on social media. It does, it does make, it, uh, make it challenging. And then the next phase, and that's kind of keeping up with growth and what's next, is what is next. And um, things like over the top, like Apple TV and Amazon and the different streaming services and the ability to create um, channels, you know, an Inside Indiana business channel, a workforce channel, you can go on down the list. It's really exciting, but, uh, you know, there are ch- you got to figure out w- which direction do we want to go, you know. So it's trying to keep, keep an eye on the future and, and think, think through that. Uh, it's exciting on the one hand, but it's uh, it's a bit challenging on the other too. And as journalists, you know, being a former journalist myself, I think the principle that all this encompasses is the the embodiment and uh, of of being adaptable. Like you have to embrace adaptability because whether you're in a newsroom working on a story for four weeks and all of a sudden something else breaks or something changes, that all that work could have almost go for nothing. But you just have to embrace it and and move it forward. And I think in business too, it seems like. Embracing a level of adaptability is key in order for your organization to grow past a lot of that minutia, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. And the adaptability piece with the uh, you know advent of the internet that certainly changed a lot of media models uh, out there. And those who were not willing to be adaptable um, didn't do very well and have gone by the wayside. And we've we've seen a number of examples uh, about that. So that adaptability thing is a is a is a really an important part. And it's not easy. It sounds like it's easy, but you know, if if you have you know a certain mindset and skill set and and are doing things a certain way, how do you really you know step back and say, yeah, you know, we need to change this. We need to do it a different way. And uh, that adaptability piece has been important. And I think it's been one of the reasons why we have been successful. Gary Dick, just want to thank you so much for being a part of the ROI podcast and the show. Again, if you want to check out Gary Dick, be sure to subscribe to his podcast, Inside Indiana Business. Check him out on TV and radio. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.